0: thank you for traveling with amex platinum to your right you'll see oceanside relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property when booked through amex travel you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m late checkout that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com slash with amex
1: warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical black buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco if you're an adult age 21 and older Around the country, black buffalo tobacco alternative, bold flavor, full pouches with the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. You can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and two percent cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecop, 3 and Out podcast. Another beautiful day. Another hot day. It's about 100 degrees where I'm at. Sweaty day, AC's pumping, energy bill ain't gonna be cheap, but uh, it's that time of the year. Turn on the AC, time to talk some football. A lot going on. You know, it's the second week of the preseason. I, I think a large percentage of teams that play this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, will be joint practicing throughout the week. So we will get uh, I be, imagine a lot of videos, a lot of highlights, a lot of clips. And I think we started to feel like football last week with all the preseason games. I think this week will even feel better when we see two teams, different colors, practicing against each other. I'm in, baby. Can't wait for all the clips that are going to come flying out. Sure, we'll have a couple couple kerfuffles, couple scuffles. Uh, you know, hopefully just some dust-ups, no one getting actually injured, but you never know. I mean, sometimes... Several years ago in Oxnard, the Raiders Cowboys, there was a fight where like the fans were holding players and swinging helmets. It was uh, it was bananas. But I, I don't think we're gonna get anything quite like that. But I'm excited for the week. Uh, how could you not be? It's uh, football's in the air. Middle of August. We're less than a month away from the regular season started. We're 15 days away from college football starting. A uh, lot going on. I, I saw a lot of different things that I want to talk about. Middlecoff Mailbag, we will do that on this show at the end. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Uh, it's really easy. It's my name. Also, if you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to this feed. Uh, sh- subscribe to the YouTube channel, Volume YouTube channel. Uh, obviously, if you like golf, golo pod. It comes out usually in the middle of the week. I, I'm undecided whether we're going to do one this week. Though there's some pretty interesting stuff happening in the world of golf. Uh, congrats to Will Zalatoris. But uh, let's dive into football. And I listen, I, I don't watch nearly as much NBA as I once did. And I say this all the time. I watch the Warriors. I love watching the Warriors. Mainly Steph, Clay, and Draymond. If it wasn't for those guys, if James Harden was on their team and like Anthony Davis, I'd be out. And I, I wouldn't watch nearly as much NBA as I used to when I was a kid and I did in my 20s. I, I love those guys love their story, and love what they represent. But I think Steph Curry, that after this year, I think we all acknowledge is like, one, he's one of the most transcendent athletes in the history of America. And, you know, I I think if you're for argument's sake, he's a fringe top 10 player of all time now in his sport. He's earned that. And part of it is, it's the total package, right? He's fun, he's electric, he's unique, uh, he's small. Uh, A lot goes into it. But even Steph Curry who a couple years ago, a lot of it was like, well, I know he's won MVPs, and I know he resurrected a franchise that I don't know sucked, but without Kevin Durant, how many championships would he really have? And then Clay got hurt, and Steph got hurt, and the franchise became, you know, falling on hard times. Durant left, they sucked. They got the number two overall pick. And then even last year, they lost in the play-in game to the Memphis Grizzlies. So for the first time, and this guy's kind of like peak performance once he became a star, kind of hit some adversity. People were, there's a difference of one person on the internet saying you can't do it, and just a lot of people like, is this guy really that good? Is this guy still good enough to carry a team? Is Was that just way back in the day? Like, are we still talking about the same guy? Hell, it happened with Tom Brady a couple years ago. The New England run, remember they lost at the end of the season to Miami, then they lose in the first round to Tennessee, and then he leaves like, is this guy still good? Hell, I said it. I was just as guilty. I was the one in the Bay Area pounding the table. Just keep Jimmy. Don't go after Tom. But here's the one thing. It's easy for us on the come up, and even Steph Curry, Tom Brady, at one point in time before their stars, when, they, when Steph first got in the league, when Tom first got drafted, they had a lot to prove. They had a lot to earn. Most human beings, when they start out in any business, whether you're highly talented or not, you still got to prove something. Even if you're the number one t- pick in the NFL, like you eventually got to prove you can play, right? Or you get passed. Like, Aaron Donald wasn't the number one pick. He was the, whatever, the 11th, 14th. And all of a sudden, boom, superstar. Well, you know, you easy to have a chip on your shoulder. Whether one guy was drafted ahead of you or 198 like Tom Brady. And I think sometimes, even at the highest level, for the highest achievers, you need a little kick in the ass. You need a little adversity. Like, I, I was watching... Will Zalatoris won the PJ uh, won the playoff playoff event a couple days ago, and he started crying after. And this guy has made millions of dollars playing golf the last couple of years, but he had never won. And I think sometimes failures, a lot of failures, make success so much sweeter. And even when you've had success, like a guy like Tiger Woods or a guy like Tom Brady, who is used to winning nonstop, watch the Derek Jeter documentary. He won immediately when he got to the big leagues, right? Gets there in '95. By '96, they're winning. Don't win in '97. Win in '96. Win in '98, '99, 2000. Or I might, I might be a year off, but you know what I mean. He won like four World Series in the first like six years of his career, and then he didn't win that much. Lost a couple World Series. Didn't win another one till 09. Like started getting some. Like, is, are you ever gonna win it again? And even if you're having success, like I said, Tom or Steph, you're still making the playoffs, but you're not winning at all it kind of adds as a little motivation I think for the first time in his young career it's weird because he did lose in the AFC Championship game but there were some questions not from myself but from a lot of people around the league even in the uh, Mike Sando tears like can he read zone defenses and sometimes greatness needs a kick in their ass and that's what I think Patrick Mahomes got this offseason and everyone that's been through that camp in the media constantly says like this guy feels a little bit different I might know a couple people in that organization. They say he is dialed. And here's the thing we saw Patrick Mahomes when he's on. He's as good as it gets. And here's the other thing he's got going for him youth. He ain't that old. And sometimes, you know, regenerating the roster can kind of spark a new urgency in the building. So you get rid of some guys, you bring in some new guys. For the first time, having some critics say, like, is this guy really that good? Is this guy a little overrated? No, he's not. And when you look at MVP odds, like, I don't hate the Patrick Mahomes MVP odds. And here's the other thing. Everyone is talking about the Chargers. Myself included. The roster's fantastic. Denver Broncos finally got Russell Wilson. The Raiders. Is this the time when they finally take a step and become a powerhouse? Well, here's what I know. Andy Reid hasn't lost that division for a long freaking time. Patrick Mahomes has been to four straight AFC championships and multiple Super Bowls in the last four years. I'm not betting against them. And I, I think this guy has natural motivation. You know, sometimes when you're on top, I always respect the guy when he's in the peak of his powers. You know, Tiger Woods forever, Tom Brady forever. And it's like they find a way to intrinsically motivate you. It's hard to do that. Because it's, it's easy when you're at the bottom of the mountain and you're hiking. You're, you're trying to get to the top. You're swinging. You're you're trying to take down the guy above you. It's another thing when you're at the top of the mountain, at the summit, and trying to fend everyone off. That's, that's hard. It's hard to sustain greatness. And most people have bumps in the road. And the greats use that to motivate them even further to get back and kick ass and take names. And, and I expect a massive, massive season from Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Brandon Staley. I read an article, and I'm going to give them some props. I read an article in The Athletic that talked about the process behind their uh, why they go for it so often and how they have multiple analytical guys and they read them off percentages before drives even start and the coordinators are privy to it and Brandon Saley knows it before the drive even starts. You know, winning percentages, all, all these different percentages. And, and he laid it out. And listen, all these teams are doing it now. So it's not like he's alone. And Brandon Staley even admitted like by no means does he think he's smarter than anyone else. This is their process and they stick to it. Now, one thing I've said about the word process, like if Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos or Nick Saban or Bill Belichick use the word process, get out your pen and paper and take some notes. But not everyone's just allowed to get on a pedestal, tell you about their process and expect everyone to line up and give them a huge standing ovation. Like Part of the reason a process is applauded and thought highly of, and Saban when it comes to sports is the guy the most outspoken about it, because his process works. We have a long period of time of evidence the process of Alabama football results in wins and championships consistently. And worst case, they play for the championship. They may not win it, but they're in the damn game. I don't want to hear, and I don't necessarily br- blame Brandon Staley for this, but he kind of played the media, and he got a lot of credit for constantly using that word. Well, this is our process. We're going to stick to it. Well, when you miss the playoffs, and 17 streamer conference are allowed in the playoffs, like, I'm sorry, I don't give you credit. But one thing he did mention is, last year, several times, obviously, they were going for it nonstop. Some of them worked. Some of them didn't. And there is one that I think we all agree that was one of the most egregious go-for it we've ever seen. You know, early in that Raider Charger game when he went for it on his own 18-yard line. And even he admitted, despite what the analytical group in the box and in the booth said through the headset to the coaching staff, this gives us X percentage of win to win, better than, you know, if we go punt here and we're gonna lose, whatever that those numbers are, that when we didn't get it. It deflated the team, and specifically deflated the offense. I remember when I was working in radio and I was going to baseball games a lot, and we used to have a lot of baseball guests on all the time, and got to know like some assistant GMs and scouts and you know former players. In baseball, a lot of former players or you know stay with their organizations and they help in spring training, they help with rookie ball. It's it's a very unique sport that way, and all these guys would often say, you know. As the league has gotten so much more analytical, and these GMs now in baseball are paid way more than football, that it's so easy for the guy, the general manager, the assistant GM, to tell the coach, like, hey, here's your lineup for the day. Well, what about the guy that's had five straight days with two hits? Well, he's out because they're facing a lefty, and he doesn't hit well a lefty. Well, the man it's on the manager then to tell that player that he's out of the lineup, and he'll probably be out of the lineup again tomorrow. The people running the numbers never have to answer for it. And it's one of my issues in football. Like Brandon Staley uses the numbers. Well, ultimately, he has to answer for it. I mean, it's his call. He's the decision maker. But it wasn't necessarily his idea. It was just something on a spreadsheet. And the one thing you have to factor in, and let's face it, baseball is a little bit different than football. Of It really is just a bunch of individual matchups. I understand building organizations around the general manager and the players, not necessarily the manager. Though, as someone that, been a Giants fan, the the San Francisco Giants, won multiple, th- all, all three of their World Series, a big reason was their manager. Now, times are different, the game is completely different, than it was played just a decade ago, but if you substitute Bruce Bochy out, for some random manager, they lose. They do not win those World Series. I feel very confident saying that. Now, maybe it's a different time now, but, I, I still think there's a human element, to this stuff. So, Let's face it, part of the NFL in 2022 is go for it, go for it, go for it. And one thing I say it all the time, and it pisses me off, that I feel like the number elites, and even Brandon Staley mentioned this in the article in The Athletic, that he hates the word analytics because it has such a negative connotation, it's so easy for people to you know, talk shit about it, even though, and I always think this too, people have been using numbers and percentages in the sport of football forever. It's not new. It's just much more in vogue to talk about. But when I go for it and it's because, you know, the guy that my owner wants me to listen to tells me, "You should go for it." Here and I say, "Okay." And then we don't get it. It's ultimately on me and my players that screwed up that didn't get it. He never has to answer for anything cuz no one ever sees him. It's why I always see in the in Major League playoffs When Dave Roberts goes out in Game 4 to yank his pitcher who's got like a one-hitter through six innings, you're like, why is he pulling this guy? He's only thrown 83 pitches. And everyone's like, Dave Roberts is an idiot. I mean, you could substitute basically any manager in. It happens every single October. And I go, "Are, are we still having these stupid arguments? It's not on the manager. He's just doing what the numbers and the front office tells him to do. He is a robot for management. Like, that's well-established. They do not make their own lineups. This is not 1993. And in football, is somewhat similar that the front office, because guess what most owners can relate to? An Excel spreadsheet. And the other thing that's in vogue is going for it, so you will not get fired when you go for it. But when you go for it and you don't get it, in specific situations like the end of the half and you and you get zero points instead of three, or you go for it at the 50-yard line, earlier in a game non-fourth quarter and you don't get it and that leads to seven points like those have repercussions on your own players this is a game played by humans not by robots so there is a balancing act and i'll give brand staley credit he acknowledges that like i have to be careful when i'm going for it in some of these extreme situations knowing that if we don't get it because here's just the reality if you if it's fourth and two and you have a run play, and it's a uh, off-tackle to the right. And your guard gets blown up by, let's just say, Aaron Donald or DeForest Buckner. And all of a sudden, that guy's in the backfield, and he takes out the running back for a three-yard loss. And you get stuffed at your own 40-yard line. And it's tie game, middle of the third quarter. And they go on to score, and you end up losing by a touchdown. Like That's what people remember. And that player and that running back feel like, oh, God, we fucked up. Well, you could argue they shouldn't have been put in that position in the first place. So there is a balancing act with this constantly going for it, and we all agree, like I said, that the numbers people love. Like we're the first, we always want to go for it. Well, everyone on their couch, whether you're the CEO of Goldman Sachs or the plumber, all of us NFL fans, when we're on the couch in big games, scream at our television for our favorite offensive for our favorite for our favorite team, the offensive coordinator, the play caller, the offense to go for it. Now there are certain times where it's like we got a punt here. But sometimes, like most people in big spots will be behind you going for it. So you don't get extra credit in basic situations. But when you try to outthink the room and you don't get it, like it's it impacts your team and it impacts the psyche of the group, which ultimately you need. You can't win in the NFL without offense. So I, I, I do believe that it'll be interesting to watch this year if people pull back a little bit or just keep doubling down because it's going to keep costing people games. NFL kickoff is still a few weeks away, but you can get in on the action now on FanDuel Sportsbook with their NFL Super Win bonus. Right now, anyone who places at least a $50 Super Bowl winner bet will get $5 back for each win your team has during the regular season. You can get the Rams to repeat at 11 to 1. You get the Ravens at 20 to 1. Sneaky, kind of like the Ravens. I actually think they're almost flying a little bit under the radar. They missed the playoffs last year, some of the Lamar drama. Do not forget, the Ravens had like 7 million players injured. I think they're going to be a powerhouse this year. There are also a ton of other future market available, like team win totals, division winners, player props, and so many more, like the 49ers over, like the Chiefs over. There's no better place to get ready for the football season than Vandal, America's number one sportsbook and official sports betting partner, of the National Football League. Haven't tried FanDuel Sportsbook yet? Download the app and sign up using the promo code COLIN to get $5 for every win your team has if you bet at least $50 on them to win the Super Bowl. That's promo code COLIN. 21 and over and present In present Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. Hope NY, or text Hope NY, 467-369, New York, Tennessee Redline Line, one 888 9789 Tennessee, one 522 4700 Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside.
1: They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Talking about costing people games, like I think the most polarizing coach right now in the NFL is Mike McCarthy because he had a resume that spoke for itself. Won all the time, Super Bowl champion, countless NFC championships, won the division a bunch of times. And then, toward the end, it got weird. Aaron Rodgers hated him, even though he claims he doesn't. Thought he was a meathead. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But it felt like he did. And then we saw Mike McCarthy's first year with the Cowboys, hired Mike Nolan, and it was a debacle. And then, even last year, it was like, well, they were really good. They won 12 games. They host a playoff game where they're a five-point favorite against a 49er team that's struggling on offense, uh, that has a quarterback that's very hit or misses a thrower, and you got Dak Prescott, and the Niners kicked the shit out of you. And you had a ton of penalties in that game. And it felt like, as someone that was watching it from the 49er angle and who had money on the 49ers, the Cowboys were extremely sloppy. And the penalties were nuts. And then you realize that the Dallas Cowboys in 2021 Led the league in penalties, 153. I think it was 11 more than the next team, and they had 14, 14 in the playoff game, a home playoff game when they were the favorites. And then all off season, Jerry goes, listen, I'm not firing this guy. He's my guy. I'm staying. I'm staying with Coach McCarthy. He, he's my guy. And we go okay. This feels—I don't know—really know what their other options were besides Sean Payton, like Lincoln Riley. You know, Sean Payton they would have to trade for, and the Saints wouldn't have traded him. Lincoln Riley kind of felt like wasn't that interested. And it's like okay, let's go back with Mike McCarthy. And the first preseason game, the first preseason game, they have—did I write it down? Was it seventeen penalties? Seventeen penalties. Did I get that number correct? Yes. They had 17 penalties against the Broncos. Now, a lot of starters aren't playing. It's not actually some of the guys. Like last year in the playoff game, Randy Gregory was going off sides like every other play. But isn't that kind of reflected reflection of what the hell is Mike McCarthy doing? He obviously has nothing to do with the defense. Dan Quinn does. Uh, Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator who's, you know, let's face it, become pretty polarizing. Is he good? Is he bad? It's it's really hard to tell. I'm a fan, but I have a soft spot from the WAC conference when he was at Boise State as a player. But 17 penalties? The league average is 6.6. That That's pretty nuts. So I go, what what's Mike McCarthy's... What's his best attribute? Like when I think Andy Reid, you think offensive genius. But you also think he's just fantastic with players. Sean McVay. Guys love him. And he's schematically pretty damn good. I would say Kyle Shanahan, same thing. I'm just going around offensive coaches. Sean Payton. I would say Sean Payton was a little more of a hard-ass, but a lead offensive coach. Mike McCarthy, who at one point in time was like viewed as one of the top offensive coaches in the league. It's like, well, is he a great motivator? Um, I don't know. I don't really see it. Is he some schematic genius? Doesn't really feel like it. Is his team super buttoned up and tough? Well, his Packer teams never were. And you would definitely say his Dallas Cowboy teams are not buttoned up at all. People have been DMing me that I'm just a Cowboy hater. I am not. I love Jerry Jones. And I have, like a lot of people, I think get jealous of the Cowboy brand. I'm not jealous at all. I think it's fantastic. I, I actually love everything the Cowboys represent as a brand. The power when you talk about them, how big their fan base is. You know, I, I didn't grow up around little brands, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a big brand guy. I grew up around Barry Bonds, San Francisco Giants, and the San Francisco 49ers in their heyday. So I, I root for the bigger brands. I like Alabama and Ohio State and Duke basketball and Kentucky basketball. I, I'm not one of these little engines. I've always laughed at the Oakland A's. I call them a poverty franchise. I root for the big boys. that They get my, I like the Yankees. You know, I like Man City. I like Tiger Woods. You know, I'm not. I'm not watching pro sports for the little poor franchises that are trying to overcome. I wasn't rooting last year for Cincinnati. I like Bama and Ohio State playing Georgia and Michigan. That's what I want. You know, so I. To me, I, it's, this is not anti Cowboys in the brand. I wish they were a powerhouse. The NFL would be better. Same thing for the New York Giants. Now, obviously, the Cowboys are good right now. But I I would give anything to have the New York Giants as a as a double digit playoff winning team. That'd be good for the league. Be good for my business. It'd be fun. I, I like watching good teams play football that are big brands. But you you can't tell me that the Cowboys that if you're a fan you're not a little concerned. And if you're in that division, you know the Giants are going to suck. Washington is I, I would say somewhat of a wild card. Like in theory, maybe they wouldn't be too terrible, right? They have a good defense. Uh, well, that let me rephrase that. They have talent on defense. And, you know, Carson Wentz is just one of the most, definitely the most polarizing quarterbacks we've ever seen. But I'm pretty sure he had like 27 touchdowns last year and seven picks. So statistically, he wasn't bad. Though, when you watched him, it was a little off. Um, and, and the Eagles, you know, I mean, we'll see. You know, I'm not, I'm not one, I'm not annoying Nick Sirianni quite yet, but their roster is really good. So I, I think the pressure on the Cowboys is immense, and it feels like it's kind of the same old story. So t- speaking about same old story, I, I read, uh, I don't know where I read this, maybe on MMQB or The Athletic, something about Pete Carroll. Oh, he's talking to Albert Brewer. And he was, you know, let's face it, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks blew the thing up, and they're rebooting. And sometimes, you know, this happens a lot, when you get a new coaching staff, it happens all the time in college. You hire a new staff, and their offensive coordinator will come out. Their strength coach will come out and go, you know, I don't know what happened here before. We inherited, you know, the cupboards were pretty bare. Uh, some of the stuff they were doing, no accountability. This place needs a reboot. We we need to come in here and start from scratch. You know, this is we ain't inherited in Alabama or Ohio State here. You know, we're, we're not. Tom Brady ain't walking through that door. And that's, it's very negative usually, right? Because rightfully so, usually people get fired because things are bad. And you need you need to, uh, you know, turn the program around, college or pro. And I just like mixing in a Southern accent every once in a while. It's like the only thing I can do. Uh, and it usually don't hear it with an exist, existing coach who'd been there a long time that kind of speaks down to the previous group. But Pete Carroll told Albert Breer, he said, you know, one thing that became stale around here is once you get players that you have to pay, and he's like, well, they all deserve to get paid, is, you know, the competition, which is Pete's motto, always compete, kind of dies. Because once you pay for Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson, all these players at all these different positions There's no, Bobby Wagner, there's no more competition. Like, those guys are the starters. And I was thinking, like, Pete, that was not your problem. Your problem was not that you paid guys and you couldn't compete at every position. Because guess what every great team has? Sweet players that stay there for a while. Mahomes, Kelsey, uh, Hill. Aikman, Emmitt, and Michael Irvin. Jerry Rice, Steve Young, Brent Jones, Bryant Young. I mean, what are are we talking about? I think the problem with Pete is they have a hard time looking back and going, you know what we screwed up? A shit ton of drafts, a ton of trades. We had a core group that most teams do, that you siphon players in and out off that core group and you add correctly. Honestly, it's one of the reasons the Patriots – kind of peaked there for a couple years, like that last year for Brady. They didn't do a great job of drafting around them. And listen, I've always defended winning teams. Drafting at the end of the round is much more difficult. If I'm drafting seventh every year, like Luke Keekley's are sitting there. You know, I mean, uh, Kyle Pitts's are sitting there. Jamar Chase's, Micah Parsons. Those guys aren't there when you're drafting 26 every year. So drafting at the end of the round is hard. And then do you know what else is hard? Every round you draft at the end. So I, I've always defended like your hit rate when you're a playoff team every single year should not be as high as the Jags who draft in the or the Lions who consistently draft in the top five. They should, in like a three-year span, be able to recoup, even though most of them don't, top players, and you should, you know, hit it on a lower percentage. Just uh it's very understandable. But Seattle missed on a ton of guys, and then they used their draft capital and missed on a ton of trades. And they kind of had historically, right? Jimmy Graham kind of backfired. Obviously, Percy Harvin backfired. Jamal Adams has been a complete disaster. And they deserve like all the criticism for screwing this thing up. They had a historic Hall of Fame player that they could not figure out how to build a powerhouse around. And I think the reason we looked at Seattle over the last three or four years, even they were in the playoff mix was because of one guy. And there were, you know, DK came and Tyler Lockett. I mean, there were a couple other guys and Bobby Wagner. But for the most part, without Russell Wilson, that's why we think they're going to suck this year. And it feels like that Pete Carroll, and, and honestly, it feels like they've kind of made some excuses. Like, talk about always competing. Like, are we sure Pete, you know, have they been always competing? Uh, you know, have, did they get kind of rest on their laurels? Are, are they cool with, like, admitting that, yeah, we screwed up constantly. We screwed up in this situation we are the reason that we're in this not because we paid players welcome to the nfl you build around a core group of guys and your core group of guys was sweet and this is not major league baseball where they're on nine-year contracts you can get rid of them you got rid of richard you got rid of cam you got rid of earl thomas like you can unload guys which they did the the reason why seattle is taking steps back was because of the coach in the front office Period, point blank, end of story. And if they can't admit that, uh, I I struggle to see where they're going. I wanted to talk about two things. First and foremost, I think Jordan Davis, the dude the Eagles took, uh, the 350-pound defensive tackle, has a chance to just be a great player. Just simply if he tries. If you try and you are that gifted and that big, it's impossible to suck. It was a thing with Clowney. If Clowney just consistently tried, he was gonna be an above average to a Pro Bowl level player. The knock on him was like, was the effort always there? That that was the also the knock on Nick and Sue for a while. It was like, if this guy gives max effort, he's unblockable. It's why Aaron Donald, like, why is he one of the greatest players of all time? Because when you watch Aaron Donald play, he plays his balls off. He never stops going 100 miles an hour. I, I'm watching Nick Bosa today at practice. Like, when that guy's in the game, he is playing max effort. And when you're really talented and you give max effort, you know, you're going to be a great player. And I I think they have themselves a stud. And I think that overall Georgia defense, I I think we're going to look back and go, that Georgia defense, holy moly. I mean, these guys are everywhere throughout the league, uh, and they are really, really talented. But the guy who feels like he's getting the most credit, and this is just the nature, right? Even Jordan Davis, who has a chance to be a stud, like he's a defensive tackle. The the guys we talk about usually are skill guys, right? Quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. And George Pickens, who Seattle, or not Seattle, the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted, feels just like a classic, another Pittsburgh Steelers taking a guy that everyone else passed on and they got themselves a star. But in the NFL, every every guy is evaluated as, as an individual entity, right? So whether I'm evaluating... Uh, Jordan Davis coming out, Kyle Hamilton, or some random fifth-round pick. We do work on that guy independently. His character, his tape, the total package. We spend a lot of effort on every draftable player uh, on and off the field. And it's easy when you know, a guy gets arrested or something happens when we use the word red flag. You're like, oh yeah, the guy got a DUI. Or, oh yeah, the guy got suspended for getting into a fight. Or, oh yeah, Jameis Winston, he stood up in the quad and said, you know what, like it's it's understandable why Baker Mayfield ran away from the cops in Arkansas Like red flag. We get Johnny Manziel, right? And then there are other things that, if you're not privy to the inside information, you go, well, what? you said this guy fell because of character? What's his character? I'm, he's never been arrested. He's never been in trouble. Well, when you get inside the program, like football character means a lot to a lot of teams. And depending on the way certain teams describe certain players, like it can turn teams off. And some teams don't care. And let's face it, George Pickens was a character red flag, nothing malicious, but around the league. So right away, when you have some question marks off the field, your football work ethic, all this different stuff, some teams are not going to be interested in you. And just because I'm not interested in you does not mean I don't think you can play. I would imagine most teams around the league, even that had George Pickens off their draft board, would acknowledge very, very talented player. Some of them would admit it wouldn't shock me if this guy becomes a pro bowler and excels in the NFL. And I was talking to someone with a team who took a player at another position who was in a similar category, red flags off the field. Again, nothing criminal, never been arrested or anything, but just immaturity, wouldn't listen. You know, people questioned how much he loved it. And this guy told me the more and more they were around the player, they felt like that wasn't the case. And they actually looked at the program and went, you know, I, I don't know I'm saying the program's lying but we feel if we get him in our building that we can shape him. The unit at that position in our building is excellent. The position coach is excellent. And we feel that the core guys on that side of the ball, on our team, the leaders, are going to be good for him. And so far in training camp, I know they love this guy. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have historically handled... Head cases might be strong, obviously, AB. Some other guys. They've just handled question marks at offensive positions, really offense and defense, but specifically wide receiver, looked at George Pickens and they said to themselves, we can handle it. Mike Tomlin can handle it. Our room can handle it. And we don't think we'll just handle it. We think we can make these guys excel. Why wouldn't they think that? They've been doing that for my entire adult for 20 plus years, since I've been in high school. They've been taking guys, it's kind of questionable, and those guys have been kicking ass and taking names. So when everyone's saying like, how did this guy fall? Well, the reason how he falls is, Half the teams wouldn't draft him. And then part of it is just supply demand. Other teams are taking other players. It's not really that crazy. But when you have questionable stuff off the field, as long as like the team that took him off the board, as long as their owner, coach, and GM are all like, hey, we acknowledge this guy can play. We just didn't want him. There's not an issue. Though, if George Pickens becomes a stud and becomes a Pro Bowl-level player, it's going, well, what, do we not have the culture to be able to handle that? Because ideally... You want to have the culture that you can take flyers, not on too many guys, maybe one or two throughout every other year or whatever, and bring that guy into your building and have him excel, have him thrive, have him become a better player and mainly a better person. Because he becomes a better person, he has the talent, you get a stud. And that's the reason I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have consistently found star players later in the draft at wide receiver cuz they're always cool with taking some diva personalities. And the irony is their head coach is not their play caller and he doesn't have a wide receiver background. But he definitely feels more than anyone else like Mike Tomlin can handle him. Mike and you know what? Mike Tomlin wants to handle him. And it's it's paid off dividends. Now, it's one preseason game. I know he's had a good camp, but I I do think we just need to acknowledge like a lot of teams would not have drafted this player. So you get credit for doing that, but you also benefit. There's a reason the guy falls to you, and uh, and we'll see. Now, you know the juju thing got weird at the end. I guess they brought him back last year. They kind of uh, figured it out. Obviously, AB they had such a great run. Like they've actually they've gotten the best out of these guys. So I wouldn't expect that to be any different with George Pickens.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats.
1: two percent cash rewards the wells fargo active cash credit card that's real life ready terms apply learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash
0: there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you
1: Okay, let's uh, do a little Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered answer here on the show. Really easy to do. Okay, let's start with uh, Dominic. In light of the Patriots' new offense, do you think it's still possible for a mainly defensive team to win a Super Bowl? Also, big fan of the pod. Been listening since saw your uh, come up on Colin's feed. I think... I think it would be different. Like I, I don't know if we're ever going to see like some Ravens or 85 Bears. But I I think if you have a elite pass rush and maybe a couple good DBs, so your passing game is just unstoppable. I mean your pass defense is unstoppable and your run defense is just adequate. Like most teams aren't going to run it nonstop. So if you can just take away the passing game, like you have one of the great pass defenses we've ever seen cuz you got pass rushers and corners and safeties I mean, I think you could make a run, but you couldn't have like, you know, Mason Rudolph as your quarterback. Y- you would need just, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo type. I-, I still believe you'd probably need a top 20 level quarterback. I I think that would be the minimum would be, you know, somewhere in the top 20. What do you think the Giants will be able to get at quarterback next draft? The NFC East is bad enough where the Giants can split most of their games so after pick five, is it worth taking? I love C.J. Stroud, but I think he's going to go number one from Daniel. Who has fantastic hair. Uh, I would say that the Giants are going to be in the mix for the number one overall pick. I, I I do not think... I mean, I don't think it's outrageous that you guys get swept. <laughs> or, you know, go one and five in the division. I, I don't think you split and go three and three in the NFC East. So I I, I would be, if I were you pretty pretty bullish and confident that you're gonna be in the mix for a top five pick and really a top two or three pick and get one of the quarterbacks so CJ Stroud Bryce Young and we'll see the other crew of the Kentucky guy is very highly thought of people are very very intrigued by the quarterback at Stanford uh someone asked me like who is the sleeper guy Washington State guy I think his name's Cameron Ward he came from Incarnate Word. I have no clue where this school's from. I had an NFL executive say that he just watched. He had never heard of him. He watched five plays and, like, jumped out of his chair just because of how surprised at how talented this guy was. And Lane Kiffin was interested. I think this guy was, like, beside Caleb Williams, one of the top guys in the transfer portal. I have heard he's very, very talented. His, I think the offensive coordinator with... Uh, at Washington State now. I don't know what position he coached, but he was around Texas Tech when Mahomes. And I'm not saying, he's not saying this guy's Mahomes, but he's just saying from a skill set standpoint, he's big, he can really throw the ball. Obviously, Washington State, just because of the offense they've been running for the last seven, eight years. They have wide receivers. I, I'd keep an eye on Washington State in this quarterback. Hey, uh, Middlecoff mailbag question I'm sending from my girls' IG. Got off IG for New Year's resolution in 2020. And probably saved me through the weirdness of the last few years. Um, you know, I, I've always felt Instagram is much less weird. I'm really just heavily into two social medias: Instagram and Twitter. Twitter is infinitely worse and more negative and more crazy than Instagram. Uh, from Harmon in the Barrier, I was watching the NFL Top 100, and Jimmy Ward was named to the list. I know it doesn't mean much, but he turned out to be a complete baller. Do you guys like him and Armstead being top-tier guys validate bulky ba- actually being a decent talent evaluator? Regardless of how the careers of Anthony Davis, Upati, Alden, the Cops are coming, Smith, and Eric Reed finished, they all could play at a high level for a few years. Buckner is obviously good. Sure, A.J. Jenkins and Josh Garnett blew, but there were a bunch of guys that could play. Bowman, Culliver, Bruce Miller. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Ward turned out... I mean, Jimmy Ward's like one of the heart and soul leaders of one of the best defenses in the league. Jimmy Ward is a stud. So you get credit on that. You get credit on Armstead. You get credit on Buckner. And like you said, I mean, he drafted a lot of good players when Harbaugh was here. And then he started drafting poorly when the team got good because it's hard to draft in the 20s. But Jimmy Ward turned out to be a fantastic pick. Now, the coaches get credit on Jimmy Ward as well. He was drafted to be a corner and a slot guy, and they moved him to free safety. I mean, safety is kind of interchangeable. But he is, I love Jimmy Ward. He's one of my favorite just players in the league who's not, you know, viewed as like some all-time Hall of Famer. I love everything he stands for. I love how hard he practices. I love how serious he is. Um, Huge fan. Does Balky get a little credit? Yeah, but reality, who cares? Like, who's giving him credit? You know, he's moved on but I hear what you're saying. It's probably not as bad as people think. Recently discovered you about a month ago and some change ago. Love it. Keep up the good work. As a Bucks fan, I watched how well they played in the preseason. I feel like the franchise has leveled up since Bruce Arians arrived in town. Can you speak a little bit about what, how much culture affects teams? It feels like ever since BA and Tom arrived, it's like all the e stuff that bad all the stuff that bad franchises always struggle with, the Bucks no longer struggle with. By the way, trash looked better than expected. Thanks again. Well, I think there's just some basic things. You know, I think bad teams allow bad things to consistently happen. And I think good franchises, high-level franchises hold themselves to really, really high standards. And just go into 49er practice, for example, High-level players hold others to high standards. So when you screw up Nick Bosa, George Kittle, you know, Bosa is probably a bad example. He's not the most outspoken. But Jimmy Ward, Fred Warner come up to you and talk to you about what you're doing well or what you're not doing well. And I mean, that's just a practice thing. But when you have high-level players, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, you know, you just go around your team. They don't allow you to show up late. They don't allow you, it's the little things in life. Like, do you throw away your trash? Do you keep the locker room clean? Like, the little things kind of snowball into bigger things. Like, if you're not practicing hard, then why are you going to play hard? Or why are you going to battle through when you're losing? It's easy to play hard when you're winning. And I think the standard, and the other thing is, I think toughness is something in the NFL and in society. You know, in society, it's more mental toughness. In football, because of its you know it's a physical sport, it incorporates physical and mental toughness. And I, I think the best coaches and the best franchises find human beings that either are mentally tough or have the capability to grow into mentally tough people and want to be led by mentally tough people. Like you look on Twitter, everyone wants this utopian soft society. Well, that's not the way successful operations roll. Right, whether it's football or whether it's corporations, and I think Bruce Arians is just—he's just a tough dude. He's a tough sob. What he, what he did in Arizona, he got there. They immediately competed because he's now. You could say he's a little loosey goosey, and he might be relative to like Belichick, but you know, I I, I think there's just a standard and a toughness that you got to play if you want to be around him. Because the other thing in the NFL. You know, unless you're a star player and under contract, but they're not. You're not giving out star money unless I think you're really good. Unless you're the Cardinals, you pay Kyler Murray. When I like, if you're if you're a mid round pick or an undrafted free agent, the majority of guys on a football team, I can cut. So when you're not playing hard or I I don't think you're tough, like I cut you. There, there's no. This isn't college football where I beg you. We work on it for years. Like. If you're not a first-round pick or a guy under a big contract and you're not getting it done, we get rid of you because you're not meeting the standard of what I want, right? Because the thing in football is like the tape speaks for itself. You either do it or you don't. You either get it done or you don't. It's my favorite part about football. It's such a black and white sport. You either win or you lose. You either get a first down or you punt. You either get a stop or you give up a touchdown. There's not much, well, you know, you can talk all you want about the process, but the results are the results. And for a coach, like it's, or a scout, it's very easy to see, like, this guy's not getting it done or this guy's getting it done. And it doesn't always have to be pretty, but I I think they're the best coaches bring a standard that the mid tier and shitty coaches just don't. And whether that's like individuals are able to hold people to higher standards because they're just a little crazy, I don't know. But some guys have it. Some guys clearly don't. Thanks for putting out great content every week. Throwing in a question for the pod that's not sport-related, but podcast-related. Has the 3 and Out podcast always been under the volume network? I could be very wrong, but I could have sworn I found your pod through Collins herd feed. Also, a sports-related question. If Andy Reid were to call you right now, wanting you to come back and work for the Chiefs, is there any role in any organization or the world that would interest you in your current state, and why? Keep up the great work. Uh, I started doing the podcast for Colin, I think, in 2018. And I just started doing a podcast for him. And one day, he calls me on like a Saturday morning, you know, five years ago. He's like, you want to start an NFL podcast? I said, sure. So we started it. You know, it was very... Just me figuring out. The audio probably was terrible. But we started the three and out. I think late 2018, early 2019. I don't even remember. And now I've been doing it with the volume for... Almost going on a year now, so we just moved. We just moved it over. Uh, I, I don't think there's any role that I would get involved with the Chiefs. Uh, I, I, I enjoy rooting for them, uh, but my, my run in football. Th- those guys are football guys, guys. I'm just a football talker, and uh, I, I, I think we're, we're all meant to be doing what we're doing. So uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm an undercover Chiefs fan. Uh, how could you not be? I mean, they're one of the more fun teams to watch, but. My 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 three years, three and a half years in the NFL were awesome. It was a fun time and it was a great experience. But uh, you know, they they say things work out for a reason, and they definitely have. Now, if Clark Hunt, you know, would it, could would he give me some equity? Could I buy in for two hundred grand? <laughs> you know, you know, he's like, you know, yeah, you can buy in for two hundred million dollars. I'd be like, well, can I buy in for uh, twenty five thousand? You give me a couple percent. I, I wouldn't mind being a little minority owner coming to uh coming to the box. But that that would be the only thing I'd be interested in. And I clearly, um, after seeing what the Broncos went for, probably am not running in those circles. And um, yeah, but you know, two hundred grand. If if he give me a couple percentage for two hundred grand, I'd be interested. I'm a big fan and really enjoy the podcast. What is the line between Jalen Hurts keeping his job and the Eagles moving on? I keep hearing this is make or break year for him. But for but for you, what can Jalen do to keep the job, and what can he do to lose the job? Well, if he doesn't play well and they miss the playoffs, I think Jalen would be in major trouble. Now, I, I do think there's a gray area, like last year, where they kind of creep into the playoffs as like a seven seed. They get bounced in the first round, and they're at a position where, let's say the Saints are right around the same record. They're drafting you know, 19 and 20 are their two picks. They're not going to be able to get up high enough to get a guy. It would be difficult to upgrade. So I actually think there's a gray area where if he's just bad and they miss the playoffs and it's clear he was the problem, he'd be gone. But what if he's kind of like last year has some moments, has some down moments, but they win nine, 10 games and they make the playoffs and the saints, their record's good. So there are two picks. They can't get up. They might be stuck. And to me, the way he keeps his job is he just excels. They just win 11, 12 games and he's clearly a high end player or an ascending player. And, uh, Listen, from what I've heard, is he's impressive, and I said this a couple weeks ago. I have a lot of respect for the crew of guys that maximize every inch of their talent. I think Dak Prescott falls under that. I think uh, Kirk Cousins falls under that. You know, we we talked so much about Kyler Murray in the film. Like, I I think what disappoints people like that about that situation is you go, God, Kyler, you are so talented. You could be such a great player. You know, and the other thing is we've seen these high-end talents, Mahomes, Josh Allen, even Lamar feels like they do everything humanly possible to maximize their talent. So I give Jalen that. He is way better than I ever assumed he'd be. Uh, But it's a big, big year for him. And I I really think their roster is fantastic. But, you know, in this league, if you're going to make the playoffs and definitely win divisions, they're going to be... Five, six times a year, tight game, fourth quarter, you, you have to make throws. Like, you just have to, second and long, third and long, to keep drives alive. Multiple throws on the same drive for five, six games against the best teams, against other playoff teams. That's the way you make the playoffs. And and, and sustain winning and, and win the division. So, I think he's one of the more fascinating players of the season. Is it just me, or does it feel like the NFL seasons get better and better every year? I feel like before each season I say to myself and friends, this upcoming season will be so awesome, and that there are so many stories and teams to look forward to. Do you think that's a product of so many cool young quarterbacks mixed with older Brady Rodgers, along with the rules being changed in favor of the offensive points? Also, for as much as I hate as much hate Goodell gets, isn't it fair to say that he's one of the best commissioners since the NFL continues to dominate and rise? Or is it just a layup job and anyone could do it? I think it's easy for people to say it's a layup job, but I think Goodell is an elite commissioner. I think it speaks for itself. Since he's been in charge, the league has taken over American sports. It isn't close. They have lapped everybody. Financially and just what we consume. Now, he has things going for him in gambling as it became legal. It's the number one sport we bet on to begin with we were betting on that thing in the sixties and the seventies, you know, it's like, well, California legalized marijuana. Yeah. We've been smoking it for 50 years. You know, it's like, we've been gambling on football well before anything was legal with gambling. So he had that built in, but I think Goodell is an elite commissioner. Is he great at the, the conduct policy? Obviously not. Is he the smoothest guy with a mic? Of course not. But his job is to make sure the NFL dominates and it's dominated. Uh I, I don't know if I can put my finger exactly to it. I, I think the NFL benefits a lot from society. We are, you know, I think one reason, baseball, while it's changed, right? I mean, the home runs and the strikeouts, I mean, they ban the shift, but like our attention span, and I can just speak for myself, I, I'm not 20 years old. I'm 37 and I've never, ever had a shorter attention span. I can't even imagine people in their 20s or their teens how fast their attention spans are. So we just, baseball, like, in the, in the 80s and the 70s, there was just less to do. So it's like, yeah, I'll just watch a baseball game. Now it's like, well, I could be watching, like, 17 different shows. I could be text messaging with anybody. I could go on Twitter or Instagram, or I could, you know, go play video games on my computer or my console against people in China, you know, against people in Russia, against people in New Zealand. So I, I think the internet has just sped everything up. And there's only one game a week in football. So it's like in, bas- in baseball, they play every day. It's like, yeah, none of this matters. In basketball, it's like their own players, are like, yeah, I'm not playing tonight. It's like, if they don't care, then I'm not going to care. In football, even with the players getting 20, 30, 40 million dollars, if you're healthy, you play. And if you play, you usually play as hard as you can. So it just has built in benefits for the way our culture and society is. One game a week, everyone tries, everyone plays hard. The other thing is, like in baseball, obviously only 10 teams have a lot of money. In basketball, only half the teams are willing to really try financially. In football, everyone gets a check from the league because of the media rights deal that covers the salary cap. So every single team can afford the same players. Now you can argue the signing bonuses, obviously, some teams have more cash on hand. But there is not a team, especially now with the Raiders going to Vegas, that can't afford to pay their star players enormous signing bonuses and pay their players on long-term deals, so every team has the chance to compete. That that's can't be said in basketball, and that one hundred percent can't be said in baseball. So I think the financial incentives. I think the the pace of the sport. Just one day, it's basically even if you even if you're a grinder and you work six days a week, most people are off on Sundays. I mean, construction takes days off Sundays. My dad was a farmer. Like Most people don't work on Sundays. So Sundays in the fall, everyone's at home. And then the other two nights, it's on Thursday and Monday night. So I, I just think they have natural benefits. Maybe the the quarterbacks definitely help, but the league's always had good quarterbacks. I mean, when I was a kid, Marino, Elway, Favre, Aikman, Young, I mean, there are sweet quarterbacks everywhere. Been of quarterbacks in the 2000s, good quarterbacks now. I I think it has more to do with the pace. I think it has more to do with our less of interest in the other sports and just how easy it is to consume football. Just, again, once a week. Once a week. It's like watching your favorite TV show back in the day. You just knew one day a week, you got 30 minutes or an hour to watch it. Now, I mean, we get spoiled. Like if it's every episode, Apple Plus does that sometimes. You know, if I'm trying to watch the whole show and it's like, oh, we got to wait till next Friday. Next Friday, what, what are we doing, guys? I like every single episode so I can record, so I can watch them all when I'm ready to watch them all. Uh, and that's, you know, football is not, you know, baseball. It's like, well, we lost. We'll play again tomorrow. Basketball is like, oh, we got three more games this week. Football, you know, you, you know, you play Sunday. You got to wait till next Sunday to play again. And that is uh, scarcity is good for the consumer. <laughs> Clearly. Appreciate everyone listening. At John Middlecoff's Instagram, fire in those DMs. Get your questions answered here on the show. Uh, hopefully everyone has a good week. Maybe do a golf podcast for Wednesday. Maybe not. We'll see. And definitely more football podcasts coming out. Adios. Peace.
2: The volume.
1: cash rewards the wells fargo active cash credit card that's real life ready terms apply learn more at wells fargo.com slash active cash looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep